Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G. And the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Nick Tarasio. Nick, are you ready to do this? Absolutely. Happy to be here. All right, let's go. Nick is a pilot. He is the CEO of Ventura Air Services. They're a company specializing in aircraft sales, maintenance, and private private charter services. He's also the author of Own Your Own Plane. It costs less than you think. Nick, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, why you do what you do. Man, oh man, that's a big question. Um, personal life. So um, very much involved in music, as you can tell by, I, I don't know if this is actually going to be a video cast, but you know, the guitars hanging on the wall are a pretty good indication. Uh, so yeah, personally, it's a lot of uh, spending time in self-development, trying to figure out how to be optimal self, get out of my own way. Uh, a lot of thinking about uh, when I'm the conduit, what can I create? Right. I think a lot of people come in with a vision for, I want to build some particular thing. I like to see what things want to become on their own. So whether that's music, the business, uh, just allowing things to kind of take their own shape. I know it's a little bit abstract, but that's generally how I see myself in the world is I actually don't like to know the answer. A little bit like watching a movie. Well, I appreciate that. How, how, how long have, have you been cognizant of that, of letting things develop on their own? Um, you know, I think I didn't realize that that was what I liked. So I suffered it for a long time growing up. I was like, why is everything always taking a left turn? And then I was like, oh, it's because I wanted to take a left turn. I actually really need that to be intrigued and interested and to be in flow. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I know that uh, I have a really hard time letting things come to me. I hear that all the time. You got to let things come to you. I'm like, no, I I want to go do the thing. <laughs> so it's it's taken me a long time to sort of figure that out and then to be able to step back and give something the space or the air to kind of breathe a little bit. Exactly. I mean, and again, the business is a good example of that for me. And it uh, it's my parents' business. So I grew up in a flight school. It really was my dad's dream to build this thing. And when I stepped in, it was kind of a lesson in that because it wasn't something that I had the vision for. It was how do I help his dream turn into whatever it's supposed to grow up to be? And that was kind of the unintentional lesson in it was had I tried to force my hand at like, I want it to be this, or I want it to be that instead of sitting with it and going, well, who are you? Who are you as a business? And I think that's been, even in, 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 you know, writing songs is a great way of doing that. It's like, I can try to make something and say, this is my fingerprint and this is my style. Or I could pick up a guitar and say, what sounds do you want to make today? What do you have to share? I think that that's a great, uh, a great way to think about it and, and look at it. Cause yeah, I can't imagine that an artistic endeavor, like writing a song is going to be super effective when you manufacture it too hard. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you could feel it. You could feel the difference between someone who forced their hand versus someone who's, and many, many amazing artists have said this. They go, I finished the song and I realized I don't even know where that came from because it didn't come from me. Yeah. You, you invite the muse if, as Stephen Pressfield would, uh, would, 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 would call it to come in and, and, and sort of co-create with you. Exactly. I like it. So parallels between flying an airplane and playing guitar. Are there any? Uh, everything. So, you know, when, when I got into flying originally, like when you start any flying endeavor, it's really about looking out the window and just kind of flying visually. And, you know, you look at the ground and all that, but as you 
become a more experienced pilot, a lot of people go on to get into your mind. You got to trust the instruments. And I'm sure you could already hear the parallel here, but it was always like, no matter what happens when you're in the clouds and you think like, what's on the other side of this? Can we even handle it? Where are we going? You just have to keep going back to trust your instruments. And I think I found the same thing in playing music and playing guitar was you just have to go back to the fundamentals. When things get hard, you don't know what to do. When you're in a live performance situation and something takes a left turn, again, you just got to go back to trusting the instruments, all those things we train for. And we do, we train for everything. But what I've noticed is in the same way I've watched people in an airplane, like this is a, it's a pretty crazy story. There's this guy, um, uh, Bob Hoover. He was one of the world's top test pilots. He was the guy that would like fly new military aircraft that had never been flown before, knowing full of well, it was probably going to crash because it just had never been. And he was like pushing it to the envelope, seeing when it stalls and when it breaks and all that stuff. And he has survived more airplane crashes than just about anybody. because that's what he was doing for a living. Hmm. And they said, Bob, how do you do it? And he said, uh, I fly the airplane as far into the crash as possible. And I think there's something to be said for that. Some people let go of the wheel well before, you know, they, they, they still have authority. They still have the ability to have an influence, but they already see some negative outcome and throw their hands up and give up. And so I think that's been an amazing lesson is like, no matter what happens, no matter how scary the circumstance in front of you may seem, you fly the damn thing as far into the crash as possible. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe you'll find a clearing. Maybe you'll be able to get the engines to start again or whatever situation is going wrong for you. And I think it's the same thing for, for music. If you ever watch someone make a mistake on stage and they pause and they freeze and then they go and they run off the side of the stage versus, hey, there's a moment to have a little fun with the audience. This is a moment to play a little and show them like, I'm such a professional. I don't even care if my guitar falls off of me, which has happened, by the way. Uh, I was like, now I have another opportunity to interact with the audience. And they go, wow, I feel so lucky to be at this show where that thing happened. And I got to watch someone roll with it. They created a really special experience. So I, I, I think I, I live life uh, on those two parallels. And that's something I've always seen between the two is it is a performance in both cases, whether you're in a cockpit or you're, you know, you're on a stage. I love it. Like that's super powerful. And and yes, when there is imperfection, that's that that that's when things are memorable and and better. It's like, oh, how was the Rolling Stones concert? Oh, everything sounded exactly the way that I expected it to. Versus, oh my gosh, Keith Richards, you know, two of the two of the strings on his guitar popped, but they still finished the set. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean that's rock and roll, right? Yeah. That's exactly right. And the same thing goes with, uh, to, to your point, I think it's a, just a wonderful parallel with, with everything. You can hit eject way too soon and, and miss out on lots of important information or data, or you could write your plane if you get out too fast or whatever. Um, so I think that that's super powerful stuff. So you are with, um, with Ventura, you're helping people to figure out uh, the right travel schedule and stuff like that, but actually buying a plane. I think when, when I, I don't know how many people actually own a private aircraft, but you're to, to your point, the point of the book is it's more accessible than, than people realize. Yeah. I think the reason why I talk about that is again, I grew up around this with my parents starting a flight school and uh, we always talked about, you know, kids would go to the fences and kind of stare through the fence and watch the planes take off and land. But it was never something that was accessible to most people. And yet I grew up around, it wasn't fancy private jets. It wasn't like, you know, Jay-Z and Oprah money with $65 million private planes. It was little four-seaters that cost at the time $18,000 to buy, right? And it's like, oh, you go train for 10 grand or eight grand to become a pilot. 
there was really affordable ways to interact with private aviation. Now, when you have a small plane like that, you fly to the same terminals as the guys with the $65 million jets, right? So you, there's this whole crazy ecosystem in America that people don't even realize of there's about 300 commercial airports and there's about 5,500 private airports all over America. So it just opens up the whole canvas for people. So the book really talks about, hey, look, if you have a vacation home that's three, four, 500 miles away, you, you don't need a private jet necessarily. You could buy yourself a small prop plane and hire a pilot to fly you back and forth. If you want to learn to fly, you can make that pilot an instructor and have them teach you as you're going back and forth with your family. You can even buy a jet. Like we've, uh, for a while, we were buying and selling jets that were three hundred to five hundred thousand dollars, and these were seven seats that went five hundred miles an hour and flew all the way from New York to Puerto Rico. So there's a whole world there that most people are too intimidated by because of the way that we portray it as like, oh, this is for the uber rich. Um, but that's really what the book was touching to is that everyone has the opportunity to interact in some way with private aviation, uh, even if it's just taking up one flight lesson, even if it's just buying a small plane, whatever that might be. Interesting that, and it certainly makes sense that we're, we're intimidated by unknown things and ambiguity causes us to, to not do something or certainly to procrastinate on it for a really long time. And that's probably if we're climbing a mountain or going under the ocean or certainly flying an aircraft. So that, that makes sense. And it also makes sense that, you know, it's an entire ecosystem or world that if you've never interacted with it, you have no idea about it. So 5,500 private airports, that's a lot. It's way more than I would have guessed. guessed. And there's probably way more kinds of airplanes to your point as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's an industry that by design has been not inclusive, right? They're like, oh, this is only for a certain kind of people that have a certain kind of access. And I think that's, it's just not true. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, I think a lot of people wanted to keep the majority out because it's, it is private aviation. You don't want a thousand people in the terminal. You have five people in the airport terminal when you go through. And as we're talking, I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm thinking about different organizations or companies that have popped up over the past couple of years. Um, and I'm not going to be able to pull any of them, but it's like you can buy fractions or it's kind of like Uber. You understand what I'm getting at? Yeah. So that's, um, there's like NetJets is an example of that company. They're the biggest player in the fractional space where you can buy an eighth share or a 16th share of a brand new airplane. And again, it's the for some people, that's the dream of ownership without all the responsibility of it and kind of sharing the load across a bunch of other people. It's an expensive way to fly, though. I'd say, if, you know, when you say owning your own plane costs less than you think, that might not be one of those cases. Okay. So that is that is not effectively doing that. Um, so what is what are some of the main costs uh, of 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 owning an airplane or maybe just private private aviation? So the two biggest costs to owning any airplane are generally the pilots and the fuel. Everything else is pretty much a fraction of that. So like as an order of magnitude, and I'll go complete extremes. I have a little four seat prop plane that I recently flew to just north of Atlanta. And we burn like 11 gallons an hour on that airplane and fuel $6 a gallon. So it doesn't cost me all that much, right? It's pretty, pretty minimal in the grand scheme, $66 an hour in fuel. The whole round trip for me was maybe four or 500 bucks. And that was with four people. So you're like, wow, that's actually not that bad. 
Now, again, I'm the pilot, so I come at a very good cost. Uh, but <laughs> in the case that you needed to hire a pilot for a day, you're probably going to pay between three to five hundred dollars a day for a pilot if you got yourself like a good local flight instructor. So again, you look at that and you go, this is not that crazy. The plane I was flying in probably cost about $140,000. So even that, not that crazy. Anybody that could buy a high-end car could probably justify financing one of those. And they last a lot longer than a car. This plane is from 1983. So it gives you an order. Again, you're talking about a 40-year-old airplane that we keep refreshing and renewing. But then you go into jet equipment. If you're like, well, I don't want to deal with that. I want to have jets and fancy seats and all that stuff and be sitting in the back and hanging out. Uh, then you're looking at somewhere between the two to $4,000 an hour experience. And again, in that case, the fuel is very expensive because jets are burning three to 400 gallons an hour, right? Very, very, very big difference. The engines alone cost about $500 an hour to run because you put it into a service program. And again, pilots for a jet, you generally need two, unless you're using a really small one. So you're looking at somewhere between three to $4,000 a day for crew. So pretty big range in order of magnitude. Now, again, there are a lot of ways to offset that. Some people take their airplane and they give it to a charter company like us, and then we fly a bunch and drive revenue, and then they can offset their cost of their personal flying. Um, and then on top of that, they get crazy tax benefits. So if you buy a jet, even if you finance it and only put a small percentage down, you get to depreciate the entire asset and save all that. You literally end up cash positive because you save more on taxes than you spend on the on the down payment of the airplane. Fascinating. So when you say buy a jet, um, <clears throat> and so on, 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 if, if you were to go to jets.com and look at the world of jets that are available, what is sort of the, 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 the median? Is it a 15-year-old jet that is a certain size? I Probably a hard yeah, question um... to I mean, the median, I'll just use, there's kind of categories. There's very light jet, light jet, medium jet, heavy jet, and then like ultra long range. Like those are, that's the Jay-Z type stuff. But you're looking at really kind of a mid-sized jet is probably, there's a lot of stuff that's like early 2000s that has seven or eight seats, flies 1,500 to 2,500 miles. And you're looking at a purchase price anywhere between $1 million and $4 million dollars. And to keep in mind that those same airplanes are still manufactured today. So you could buy them brand new as an example. And this is also really interesting for people is you could buy a 2002 airplane, let's say for 2 million bucks that you could go out and buy new for about $14 million. So you're like, wait a minute, I'll save the $12 million. Maybe put a little bit into paint interior, maybe some new avionics and still have a massive arbitrage there. Yeah. Okay. And so that million dollars, it's... But I was about to ask a tax question, but we probably don't need to get into the weeds. There are big tax opportunities that are there. And if I wanted to have it for my personal use two times a month or something like that, or, or what are what are some of the common sort of um, ways that, that people are using versus then coming to you to say, hey, can you also try to get this thing out and renting it for 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 example so I can get some more money back? So the average the average user uses the planes maybe 75 hours a year. So 50 to 75 hours a year. And an airplane on a charter fleet can fly 800 hours, let's say, if you really want to push it. So maybe the average person offsets with three to 400 hours. Uh, but again, what that'll do is in many cases, people will say, I still have to pay for my airplane. I got to pay for the note to buy it. I may have to pay for some maintenance. 
but all of my personal flying was funded by the charter revenue that came off of it. So we see circumstances like that. In extreme cases, everything's paid for, but that's not as common. That's, I mean, we had a crazy market for the last three years. So you saw a lot of really interesting stuff happen, but in the average case, we just say you could pretty much fund your own flying. Got it. Nice. So why, why wouldn't I do that? There's a lot of reasons people don't do it. One, it's really scary because it's like people with money are smart with their money, right? They invest where they know that they understand things. So to say to someone like, you know, nothing about this industry, you know, nothing about airplanes, trust me, this is going to work. So what you'll see is there's a lot of people in the industry, unfortunately, that understand that you can prey on the hopes of people with lots of money. And so historically, there's a lot of stories of people that put money into airplanes and lost a lot on it. There's jokes that say, if you want to make a million in aviation, start with five. And uh, I think because of that, we set out to really say, how do we change that narrative? How do we create more transparent business models? Because it could be years before someone realizes, wait a minute, I've been subsidizing this charter company. I've been subsidizing customers. I had no idea because it's so complex. Uh, so I think from that perspective, that's that's one of the hardest parts. And there's a couple of companies out there, actually quite a few. There's quite a few companies that are really working in the same way we are, which is educate, create transparency, show people what this is, because it's such a great opportunity when it's done well. well I appreciate that. And that's that's something that hopefully anybody who's doing a good job with client in mind or customer in mind is 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 trying to do. But and there are a lot of bad actors out there who are not trying to do that. So, so I appreciate that very much. How many? How many uh, is do, do do we know how many uh, individuals out there actually own private planes? Is that knowable? Roughly, yeah. I mean, I I could probably spitball a number, but. Uh, it's a little challenging because you do have fractionals. You have some, like the NetJets planes have eight to 16 owners in them, depending on what the plane is. But you figure there's probably, again, orders of magnitude would be tens of thousands of private jets in the country. So uh, if you multiply some partnership model on top of that, maybe it's 40,000 owners in the country, something like that for private jets, not like little prop planes. There's There's a lot of those too. Um, but it's a lot. It's a pretty big pool of people. When you think about how elite you would think it would be, there's a lot of people participating in this world. Nice. All right. So for people who are, if we've piqued their curiosity, what what will they get when they pick up a copy of Own Your Own Plan? It costs less than you think. Um, ultimately, the book kind of just shows the different ranges. So it's, you know, if you want to be the person that takes flight lessons and flies yourself all the way up to the person who wants to buy a heavy jet to fly to Europe, it kind of gives you the different levels. And the goal of the book was to say, I'm in all these entrepreneurial communities and people always come to me and say, how much money do I need to have before I can go buy a jet? I'm like, you probably already have enough. You just didn't know it. So the idea is to say, when you figure out what lifestyle you want to have as it might relate to aviation, I just want you to know what that number is. So when you set your financial dreams and goals, you are realistic versus like, I thought I needed to make $50 million before I could do this. Like, oh, you could have done it when you had five. Well, I think that that's super powerful, and I appreciate that very much. That instead of just asking a question, "How much money do I need?" Well, let's actually do a little bit of work on the front end and back into, based on what it is that I'm interested in doing, the kind of lifestyle I'm interested in having, and how would this improve it? And then once I figure that out, oh, okay, it's actually going to cost this much. So, I love it. 
Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they get their copy of Own Your Own Plane? If people are curious about the book, you can check it out on Amazon. And if you want to learn more about us, you can check out VenturaJet.com for the company, or you could uh, find me on Instagram. Uh, it's just Nick Tarasio. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Nick your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Pick up your copy of Own Your Own Plane. It costs less than you think on Amazon. Go to VenturaJet.com to check out what Nick is working on in that part of his life. And then you can find Nick Tarasio on Instagram as well. I'll link all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Nick. All right. Thanks, George. Be well. Until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.